Book two, chapter two of Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Greenman. Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc by Mark Twain. Book two, chapter two. The Governor Speeds Joan. After a few days, Laxart took Joan to Vaucouleurs and found lodging and guardianship for her with Catherine Royer, a wheelwright's wife, an honest and good woman. Joan went to Mass regularly, she helped to do the housework, earning her keep in that way, and if any wished to talk with her about her mission, and many did, she talked freely, making no concealments regarding the matter now. I was soon housed nearby, and witnessed the effects which followed. At once the tidings spread that a young girl was come who was appointed of God to save France. The common people flocked in crowds to look at her and speak with her and her fair young loveliness won the half of their belief, and her deep earnestness and transparent sincerity won the other half. The well-to-do remained away and scoffed, but that is their way. Next a prophecy of Merlin's, more than eight hundred years old, was called to mind, which said that in a far future time France would be lost by a woman and restored by a woman. France was now, for the first time, lost, and by a woman, Isabel of Bavaria her base queen. Doubtless this fair and pure young girl was commissioned of heaven to complete the prophecy. This gave the growing interest a new and powerful impulse. The excitement rose higher and higher, and hope and faith along with it, and so from Vaucouleurs wave after wave of this inspiring enthusiasm flowed out over the land, far and wide, invading all the villages, and refreshing and reviving the perishing children of France and from these villages came people who wanted to see for themselves, hear for themselves, and they did see and hear and believe. They filled the town, they more than filled it, inns and lodgings were packed, and yet half of the inflow had to go without shelter. And still they came, winter as it was, for when a man's soul is starving, what does he care for meat and roof, so he can but get that nobler hunger fed? Day after day, and still day after day, the great tide rose. Domremy was dazed, amazed, stupefied, and said to itself, Was this world wonder in our familiar midst all these years, and we too dull to see it? Jean and Pierre went out from the village, stared at and envied like the great and fortunate of the earth, and their progress to Vaucouleurs was like a triumph all the countryside flocking to see and salute the brothers of one with whom angels had spoken face to face, and into whose hands, by command of God, they had delivered the destinies of France. The brothers brought the parents' blessing, and Godspeed to Joan, and their promise to bring it to her in person later, and so, with this culminating happiness in her heart, and the high hope it inspired, she went and confronted the governor again but he was no more tractable than he had been before. He refused to send her to the king. She was disappointed, but in no degree discouraged. She said, I must still come to you until I get the men-at-arms, for so it is commanded, and I may not disobey. I must go to the Dauphin, though I go on my knees. I and the two brothers were with Joan daily, to see the people that came and hear what they said, and one day, sure enough, the Sieur Jean de Metz came. He talked with her in a petting and playful way, as one talks with children, and said, "'What are you doing here, my little maid? Will they drive the king out of France, and shall we all turn English?' 
she answered him in her tranquil serious way i am come to bid robert de baudricourt take or send me to the king but he does not heed my words ah you have an admirable persistence truly a whole year has not turned you from your wish i saw you when you came before joan said as tranquilly as before it is not a wish it is a purpose he will grant it i can wait ah perhaps it will not be wise to make too sure of that my child these governors are stubborn people to deal with in case he shall not grant your prayer he will grant it he must it is not a matter of choice the gentleman's playful mood began to disappear one could see that by his face joan's earnestness was affecting him it always happened that people who began in jest with her ended by being in earnest they soon began to perceive depths in her that they had not suspected and then her manifest sincerity and the rock-like steadfastness of her convictions were forces which cowed levity and it could not maintain its self-respect in their presence the sieur de metz was thoughtful for a moment or two then he began quite soberly is it necessary that you go to the king soon that is i mean before mid-lent even though i wear away my legs to the knees she said it with that sort of repressed fieriness that means so much when a person's heart is in a thing you could see the response in that nobleman's face you could see his eye light up there was sympathy there he said most earnestly god knows i think you should have the men-at-arms and that somewhat would come of it what is it that you would do what is your hope and purpose to rescue france and it is appointed that i shall do it for no one else in the world neither kings nor dukes nor any other can recover the kingdom of france and there is no help but in me the words had a pleading and pathetic sound and they touched that good nobleman i saw it plainly joan dropped her voice a little and said but indeed i would rather spin with my poor mother for this is not my calling but i must go and do it for it is my lord's will who is your lord he is god then the sieur de metz following the impressive old feudal fashion knelt and laid his hands within joan's in sign of fealty and made oath that by god's help he himself would take her to the king the next day came the sieur bertrand de poulangy and he also pledged his oath and knightly honor to abide with her and follow whithersoever she might lead this day too toward evening a great rumor went flying abroad through the town namely that the very governor himself was going to visit the young girl in her humble lodgings so in the morning the streets and lanes were packed with people waiting to see if this strange thing would indeed happen and happen it did the governor rode in state attended by his guards and the news of it went everywhere and made a great sensation and modified the scoffings of the people of quality and raised joan's credit higher than ever the governor had made up his mind to one thing joan was either a witch or a saint and he meant to find out which it was so he brought a priest with him to exorcise the devil that was in her in case there was one there the priest performed his office but found no devil he merely hurt joan's feelings and offended her piety without need for he had already confessed her before this and should have known if he knew anything that devils cannot abide the confessional but utter cries of anguish and the most profane and furious cursings whenever they are confronted with that holy office the governor went away troubled and full of thought and not knowing what to do and while he pondered and studied 
Several days went by, and the fourteenth of February was come. Then Joan went to the castle and said, "'In God's name, Robert de Baudricourt, you are too slow about sending me, and have caused damage thereby, for this day the Dauphin's cause has lost a battle near Orléans, and will suffer yet greater injury if you do not send me to him soon.' The governor was perplexed by this speech, and said, "'To-day, child, to-day? How can you know what has happened in that region to-day? It would take eight or ten days for the word to come.' my voices have brought the word to me and it is true a battle was lost to-day and you are in fault to delay me so the governor walked the floor a while talking within himself but letting a great oath fall outside now and then and finally he said hark ye go in peace and wait if it shall turn out as you say i will give you the letter and send you to the king and not otherwise joan said with fervor now god be thanked these waiting days are almost done in nine days you will fetch me the letter already the people of vaucouleurs had given her a horse and had armed and equipped her as a soldier she got no chance to try the horse and see if she could ride it for her great first duty was to abide at her post and lift up the hopes and spirits of all who would come to talk with her and prepare them to help in the rescue and regeneration of the kingdom this occupied every waking moment she had but it was no matter there was nothing she could not learn and in the briefest time too her horse would find this out in the first hour meantime the brothers and i took the horse in turn and began to learn to ride and we had teaching in the use of the sword and other arms also on the twentieth joan called her small army together the two knights and her two brothers and me for a private council of war no it was not a council that is not the right name for she did not consult with us she merely gave us orders she mapped out the course she would travel toward the king and did it like a person perfectly versed in geography and this itinerary of daily marches was so arranged as to avoid here and there peculiarly dangerous regions by flank movements which showed that she knew her political geography as intimately as she knew her physical geography yet she had never had a day's schooling of course and was without education i was astonished but thought her voices must have taught her but upon reflection i saw that this was not so by her references to what this and that and the other person had told her i perceived that she had been diligently questioning those crowds of visiting strangers and that out of them she had patiently dug all this mass of invaluable knowledge the two knights were filled with wonder at her good sense and sagacity. She commanded us to make preparations to travel by night and sleep by day in concealment, as almost the whole of our long journey would be through the enemy's country. Also she commanded that we should keep the date of our departure a secret, since she meant to get away unobserved. Otherwise she would be sent off with a grand demonstration which would advertise us to the enemy, and we should be ambushed and captured somewhere. Finally she said, nothing remains now but that i confide to you the date of our departure so that you may make all needful preparation in time leaving nothing to be done in haste and badly at the last moment we march the twenty-third at eleven of the clock at night then we were dismissed the two knights were startled yes and troubled and sieur bertrand said even if the governor shall really furnish the letter and the escort he still may not do it in time to meet the date she has chosen 
then how can she venture to name that date it is a great risk a great risk to select and decide upon the date in this state of uncertainty i said since she has named the twenty-third we may trust her the voices have told her i think we shall do best to obey we did obey joan's parents were notified to come before the twenty-third but prudence forbade that they be told why this limit was named all day the twenty-third she glanced up wistfully whenever new bodies of strangers entered the house but her parents did not appear still she was not discouraged but hoped on but when night fell at last her hopes perished and the tears came however she dashed them away and said it was to be so no doubt no doubt it was so ordered i must bear it and will de metz tried to comfort her by saying the governor sends no word it may be that they will come to-morrow and he got no further for she interrupted him saying to what good end we start at eleven to-night and it was so at ten the governor came with his guard and arms with horses and equipment for me and for the brothers and gave joan a letter to the king then he took off his sword and belted it about her waist with his own hands and said you said true child the battle was lost on the day you said so i have kept my word now go come of it what may joan gave him thanks and he went his way the lost battle was the famous disaster that is called in history the battle of the herrings all the lights in the house were at once put out and a little while after when the streets had become dark and still we crept stealthily through them and out at the western gate and rode away under whip and spur End of chapter 2